Church, I, I just, I'm so thankful that you're rolling with the punches on all of this here, just being a part of just even getting here. None of you ever thought that just an act of sacrificial worship to God would be you just trying to get to a service. And so you're just like a missionary now. You're having to sacrifice a bunch and good for you. See, this was just an intentional plan to make you suffer for Jesus just to be a part of hanging out here. So we're thankful for that. And then you roll with the punches too, because last weekend we had a, a black man with dreadlocks preach the best sermon I've ever heard in my life. And now you've got a gangly white bald man. So you just keep rolling with it. We're thankful for you um, in this journey. But what we were talking about this outsider series is just how Jesus was so good at recognizing people that were on the fringes, that were marginalized, that were on the outside for some reason or another. And he, he had an uncanny ability to identify them and then reach over to where they were and bring them inside a relationship with him. And, and I, I wondered often about how, how did he get so good at that? How could he connect with and identify with so many of these outsiders and then bring them uh, to the inside. And then it hit me that he himself was an outsider. Uh, Jesus is an outsider. Um, Jesus was an outsider because of his questionable origins. Who, who's your daddy? Uh, Jesus was, was an outsider because he's a small town country boy from Nazareth. And the scripture says, what good can come out of a place like Nazareth? This is like Paulden or Chino Valley. This is what good can possibly come out of Paulden. And, and, and so right now, if you're from Paulden, then Jesus knows what it's like to be you. He knows what it's like to be downtrodden and suffer out in the wasteland of... I'm just kidding. Not really, actually. It's pretty bad. And Jesus knows that and he loves you anyway. But, but Nazareth was just this little nothing town on the side of a hill and farmers. And that's where he, he grew up around um, just very humble people. Um, he, he was an outsider in that regard. He's an outsider because he's poor. Uh, he was an outsider because he wasn't integrated into the, the dominant culture of the day. He's an outsider because he's... He's one that when he began to teach, he began to teach about some really non-traditional ideas and that put him on the outside. And he's an outsider even to the point of death. The death that he died was an outsider's death. It was, it was the death that was reserved for the worst of criminals. It was the death that was crucifixion and it was reserved for the worst criminals and described as the slave's death. And so everything that Jesus lived out while he was among us here on earth was an outsider sort of way of life. And so he knows what it's like to be pushed out and beaten down and, and not be a part of the privileged insiders. And that, which then takes us to the next step. If that's our Jesus, if he's our example, if he's our model, then, then big news flash for us today. The outsiders aren't just uh, women or children or outsiders aren't just the poor or the sick. The outsiders aren't just people that uh, are sinners, quote unquote. But in, in, in 
watching the life of Jesus, outsiders are me and you if we're following Jesus. We're all outsiders. We're inside a relationship with God, but I think we'd actually be better served if we continue to live life as an outsider. That yes, I'm inside a relationship with Christ, but what does it look like for me to live like an outsider? Christians are, are, are outsiders. And, and that's, that's a cultural shift that's been happening for a while now for the United States of America. Because for a long time, we've had the luxury of feeling like we are this Christian nation. And so as a nation, we are, are, are as Christians, then we're part of the insiders. And if you're not a, a follower of Jesus who upholds the scriptures um, and patriotic, then, then you're on the outside. And us that have been Christians growing up in the U.S. for quite some time now have have been allowed to feel as believers as a part of the insider crew. That's not the case anymore, is it? Culture shifted quite a bit, and um, part of that hurts my heart. But a large part of that, uh, good. If it means that we all have to step up in our relationship with Jesus, if it means that I have to actually live different as a radical follower of Jesus, then then what has been able to happen now is for us to assume a lukewarm temperature and look and sound and feel a lot like a watered-down Christian culture, then so be it. Because I think Christ has called us to live like He lived as outsiders. And I'm so much better at reaching outsiders when I myself am an outsider. If I have the perspective that I'm not an insider, see, insiders, they, they get comfort now. Outsiders get comfort later. Insiders, they've got power and prestige and influence now. All of our power and prestige and glory comes later as outsiders. Uh, insiders, uh, here and now, because this is all they've got, whatever amount of time on earth they have, this is it. And so when their world gets rattled or shaken, well, then it really gets rattled and shaken because this is all they got. But outsiders, Christians, if your world gets rattled and shaken here, you should be able to roll with the punches. I'm not saying it's easy. But you and I should be able to roll with the punches because, because we know that this isn't all that there is. We know that this is a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. And so I can suffer for the sake of Jesus. I can, I can live out loud for the sake of Jesus for here and now, knowing that this is just a, a moment in time. My, my life is a vapor. You can hang in there. You can live out loud and bold for Jesus as an outsider on the fringe, knowing that what God's preparing for all of us that love Him outweighs anything that this world has to offer. And Jesus reminds his disciples of this in John chapter 15. If you have your Bible, you can turn there in verses 18 and 19. This is final words, final moments before he's going to go to the cross and then ascend to heaven. And in kind of a goodbye message, a farewell disclosure to his disciples, he's talked to them about the importance of anchoring into a relationship with him so their life would bear fruit. 
He's talking to them about the necessity for them to love each other because that is how the world that doesn't know Jesus is going to know that Jesus exists by the way that they see that we love each other. But then, out of all the things that he could have hammered home at the end, this is what he said. He says, and don't forget, your life's a blessing with me. Your life's going to bear fruit with me. But don't forget, you're an outsider just like me. Don't, don't get lulled into laziness and comfort, living for here and now and for today. Uh, you're an outsider, j- just like me. And he turns and he says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. There's a good outsider newsflash for every single one of us. He's telling that to the disciples. And then it's in his word to get passed on to future disciples. You don't belong to the world. You're not on the inside of the world, capital W. Uh, You're on the outside. You're an outsider. You're meant to stand out and be different, not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your minds. This is the spiritual act of worship for those that follow Jesus. We're, we're called to look, act, talk radically different. You don't belong here. Your citizenship is not here. It's in heaven. And we would do well to live that way. Now, to live with the mindset, I'm, I'm, on the outside. I'm not on the outside of a relationship with God, but I'm on the outside of this worldly culture. We're in the world, but we're not of it. He continues on in verse 20. He says, remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. He makes a real strong link between us and him right there. Followers of Jesus. This is one of the huge reasons that you're going to find yourself as an outsider going forward is that you're now identified with Christ. As soon as you identify yourself with Jesus, that's going to put you on the outside with a whole lot of people. You ever get that sense when you're talking with somebody who doesn't know Jesus and you do know Jesus that as soon as that comes up, it's going to be an issue. I used to get my hair cut and uh, I'd go in and I would be thinking like, oh man, I hope she doesn't bring up the, and you know, inevitably clip, 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 clip. So what do you do for a living? Oh no. Because I know as soon as I identify myself with Jesus, the whole conversation is going to turn. And there were, there were times where, where I, I, I'd stall. I work with people. Well, what, what people? All, all, all people. Well, what do you do with the people? Well, I teach them. Well, what do you teach them? Oh, geez. Okay, I teach them the Bible. And then she'd just take the scissors and jam them in my eye because I had identified. So that never happened. But I always imagined that it, that it would. And, and so... It is that thing, though, that there, as long as you're playing by the, 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 the rules of the world, as long as you're associating with the most um, strong cultural values and not the values of Jesus, then you'll get applause all day long from the people around you. But the minute that you turn your back on the world and then you associate, you identify yourself as a follower of Jesus, a believer in Jesus, woo, then hang on. They will reject you as quickly as they accepted you. I guarantee it. 
And so we've got to recalibrate some thinking here because culture is already shifted. We just need to get back to the roots of being outsiders, not in a relationship with Jesus, but in a relationship with the world. And so he says, yeah, check this out. You're, you're with me. And uh, that's going to put you on the outside. People don't like to have their sin exposed. And if they think you're going to call them out on it, then watch it. They may not want to be around you. Sean talked about that last week with the salt and the light. Now, some of us are getting persecuted, being identified with Jesus, not because we're following him and the light's too bright, but we're getting persecuted because we're a Christian jerk. And we don't know how to control our tongue or we don't actually know how to love people like Jesus did. And so people are persecuting. They're pushing back on us because we're an idiot, not because... They see anything of Jesus in us. And we do well to learn which is which. And then he wraps it up with this last thought in verse 21. He says, They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. In other words, the, a huge part of us getting pushed to the outside, uh, culturally speaking, is that people don't know God. They don't know what he's like. They're, they're ignorant to who he is. If you go on to read the rest of what Jesus says, Jesus says, yeah, they rejected my words and they rejected my works and they rejected what the Old Testament had to say about me. They're ignorant of all of this. And so they hate me. They don't know who I'm, I am. They don't know what I'm about. And there's so many people, maybe even some of you in this room, that I, I need to apologize on behalf of churches or Christians that have given a really horrid picture of what Jesus is actually like. That you've been able to watch from the outside and get a very, very hideous picture of our God and our Jesus. But that wasn't the intent. We need to show them. We need to show them. And I'm going to operate way different as an outsider trying to reach outsiders than if I consider myself an insider trying to reach those people out there. Humble ourselves. We've got to humble ourselves before God and say, I'm, but for the grace of God, I would be on the outside of a relationship with God and on the outside of the world. But by His grace, He's rescued me, saved me, and that grace is free and available to all those that would call on His name. Every single time that the the church gets persecuted. That believers get hassled. Guess what happens? The church grows. It blossoms. Throughout history, every single time the church finds a ton of prosperity and comfort, guess what happens? The church takes a nosedive. When we start living like insiders, when Jesus said, no, this isn't your planet, this isn't your world, this is... This is some borrowed time that you've got here to leave an impact. You're an outsider. Live like one. Then it's going to take some sacrificial hits. We've got to love like Jesus. We've got to love sacrificially. Communion today. And to me, this is the greatest display of the sacrifice of Jesus for us, that, that He gave to us as a tradition, the church, this, this, this ceremony that we take part in as believers. 
He wanted to emblazon on our memories the the beauty of His love for us, the sacrifice of a love laid down, the, the, the reality that he, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped or held on to, but He humbled Himself, born in a manger, raised in Nazareth, and then He continued to live a life as an outsider, hanging out with the people that He hung out with, reaching out to those sorts of people, and eventually becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And if you're an usher part, taking part in that today, then right now you can come down and you can grab these elements and take these elements and then begin to pass them out to the people. And what you're going to hold before you, if you're here in the crowd, are representations of His body and His blood. It's a bread and drink. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is for you. If you're not, then this isn't, this isn't for you. Uh, it wouldn't have much meaning if you don't have a relationship with Him. But for those of you that do, as you hold on to these elements, be reminded of the love of God. Be, be reminded of the love of Jesus for you that was played out over His lifetime as an outsider, that was played out so that you and I could then follow in His footsteps. I'm going to ask that you just hold on to these elements for just a few moments. Maybe spend some time in prayer. Maybe spend some time in confession. And then as you sit there just in silence and reflection, maybe thank God for who He is. Maybe allow His example to humble you. But then also be reminded in these elements that you hold, that it takes an awful lot of sacrifice to willingly submit yourself for the sake of another. To willingly give up your life and all that the world has to offer so that you could see other people be impacted for eternal life through you. Take a cute couple moments, hold on to those elements, and then we'll take them together here in just a couple minutes. I know the elements are making their way to a handful of you still. But these elements that you hold in your hands are tangible representation of a reminder, a symbol of Christ, His body and His blood that's been shed for you. And it's because of the person and the work of Jesus that, that you are even able to move from being an outsider with regard to a relationship with God to being an insider with Him. And yet, culturally speaking, how we operate in the world, Jesus continued to operate on the fringes. He didn't seek position and power. And we shouldn't either. Our life shouldn't be about chasing fame and popularity and stuff. Position. Authority. But rather about chasing Jesus. 
So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples after he'd prayed and he said, this bread represents my body which will be broken for you. Whenever you eat this, remember me. Same way after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, remember me. And so, gracious Heavenly Father, we ask you to give us courage to follow in your footsteps as an outsider, that we would seek your approval more than anything else, that we would rather be loved by you than liked by the world. Give us influence wherever we are, but influence for your kingdom's sake. And Jesus, thank you that you have sacrificed yourself on our behalf. That you took away the sin that was crippling us. That you raised again from the dead, conquering that sin and death that we might be free and forgiven and have hope. In this life and in the one to come. Help, it, help us focus more on the one to come and let that shape the one that we've got here and now. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.